0: Aloha, this is Catherine Cruz. Thanks for joining us here on The Conversation, Hawaii Talks. It's Thursday, February 8th. We are broadcasting live from Lahaina Maui today as we mark six months since the wildfires destroyed more than 2,000 structures and claiming 100 lives. We sat down with Maui Mayor Richard Bisson earlier this week to talk about the work ahead. We talked to firefighters who lost their homes and who are grateful for the use of donated RVs. We hear from a relative of a Tongan family of four who perished in the fire. The youngest victim was just seven. And survivors reflect on the disaster that changed their lives overnight. And closing the circle of chocolate, that is, we talk to a Lahaina chocolate maker about his factory being spared and how he's using that good fortune to support the community. This is The Conversation on Hawaii Public Radio. I'm Catherine Cruz. We are broadcasting live in Lahaina, Maui this morning on the six-month anniversary of the fatal wildfires. State and county and federal officials have just wrapped up a news conference to give an update on our progress to date. We sat down with Maui Mayor Richard Bisson earlier this week to talk about the recovery and the work ahead.
1: So I'm really proud of how our community is coming together, and I think that's going to be our key moving forward. I think obviously we can do much more as a community. I think there's been lots of uncertainty, a lot of anxiety that has come, mostly because of the housing piece for people. I think the mental health and wellness of our community is probably our number one concern. And a lot of that comes from the housing dilemma. And so I think our focus is on building that trust back with our community, giving them hope, and I think a lot of that comes from us getting housing, including building houses. We announced, thats uh, probably been a month now, with Governor and FEMA and CNHA and Hawaii Community Foundation, a $500 million joint effort to get housing, whether it's through short-term rentals, through CNHA's program, host family program, building accessory dwelling units or, or ohana units on properties, existing properties, building modular units out in properties on the west side. Of course, FEMA working through their short-term rental program, which I understand they have reached the capacity that they were looking for. So they have the units, they just have to match the families, the eligible FEMA families, with those units. Now, I think one of the concerns is going to be that they're not all on the west side. And we know vast number of people prefer to stay on the west side, whether their children go to school there, whether they work there, uh, other reasons. So it's going to be challenging. Some people are going to be offered places that are in central Maui or upcountry Maui, like you just mentioned, Haiku. And then also there'll be some, of course, we will have options in west Maui. So I think that's what FEMA's working on right now trying to place people into the units that work for them. And that's what we all want to see.
0: And, you know, we're hearing a lot about the construction. We've got the temporary school going, that's still a little bit delayed, but uh, what is the county doing then to expedite the permit process?
1: So in the Office of Recovery, which we've set up a new department for the County of Maui, one of the things within that, the housing piece, gonna set up an expedited permitting process And so I'm hoping that the RFP has already been responded to, and we've already done our interviews. If not very shortly, we'll be selecting the vendor. And what I mean by that is rather than use county employees for the permitting reviews, we are looking for a vendor company to come in, and their job will be to review all of those for fire victims in Kula and in Lahaina or well, we can review there. And everyone's situation is going to be very unique. So as far as someone wanting to build somewhere outside of those impact zones, I don't know that it was intended for everyone, but if you are an impacted family and you have a property somewhere else that you are ready to build in, you could use that expedited permitting. You know, we're, we're hoping that when it's said and done that you can build your house, let's say in Pukalani or somewhere outside of Lahaina because you own property somewhere else. So we do want to get people into housing so of course we'll try to do that it's not intended for people who have been waiting for a building permit for some other reasons those folks will still use the the current system but the expedited system will be again intended for folks who have uh, lost their homes
0: you know we've just talked to some firefighters who are in rvs and you know we don't usually see rvs or trailer parks here you know in hawaii and you know there's an architect from japan who's You know looking at building a structure with cardboard tubes you know just innovative different ways to put up structures quickly Mm -hmm. so will this address some of that
1: yes so when you speak of the firefighters so at the start of this event you know this tragedy there were 17 firefighters who lost their homes okay there was a total of 17 that was being provided and they were not initially accepted, as I think some of the firefighters had made you know, alternative plans. And so maybe the need wasn't there. Early on in this, there was not an appetite for the public to consider a trailer type of setup in Lahaina. I think after six months, that sentiment has, has probably changed a bit. I don't know to what extent, but I know that there are those that would like to just have uh, something they could put back on their property. And I think a lot of that has to do with people who still owe mortgage or they were paying rent and other reasons that, that account for that. But I think having inventory on Maui now in any shape or form would be welcome. Where do you see
0: the county in another six months or another year when FEMA starts to pull back?
1: Well of course FEMA is here for emergency response. They're here to help us with that big housing piece. They're helping us in many other ways as well and hopefully when the reimbursement comes up for a lot of the expenses that the county has expended purely due to the fires. So we are planning that and that's why the Office of Recovery, which follows the FEMA model, uh, has six areas of focus, subject matter areas such as community planning, infrastructure, housing, economy, cultural and natural resources, and then uh, health and wellness. So each of those six areas we have staffed, and we have partners, federal, state level, we have subject matter experts, each trying to work that area as much as possible as we can to be where we need to be in our recovery. So we've gone from response to recovery to rebuild is the next, next two phases. And FEMA is a big partner. EPA has been here, Red Cross, HUD will be the next level as they come in with some needed resources to help us rebuild you know, more permanent housing. But FEMA's function right now is to get people rehoused out of emergency housing into uh, interim housing. Now, again, those are only for FEMA-eligible folks. The ones that are not eligible are being picked up by the Red Cross, the CNHA, the state, the county, Hawaii Community Foundation, other partners, are helping us with that population.
0: You know, I know the governor has talked about a moratorium possibly in West Maui, you know, limiting it, if these landlords don't step up and convert their, their units. Uh, do you support that?
1: Oh uh, yeah, of course. I think the governor's plan is part of a, a spectrum of solutions. The, you know, immediate and the obvious is to convert the units from short-term to long-term. Uh, And some people had done that voluntarily. People were loaning out their places. They weren't charging rent. They didn't know how long this was going to last. And so, you know, we're offering alternatives with tax incentives for people. Now, that first deadline was January 31st. So for those who signed up or converted by January 31st, they received 18 months of tax benefits which to put in perspective for a million dollar property was around $17,000, $17,500 in tax benefits. On top of that, they were paid very good monthly rates, in some cases at the rate of a short-term rental rate, but it converted to 12 months or longer for, for our victims, our survivors, I should, I should really say. So what we're waiting to see, the next cutoff date was March, by the end of March. And for those folks, they get 12 months of tax benefit and so we're waiting to see how many have converted over and we know that by our real property tax applications where people get a uh, an exemption based on filing an actual contract a rental contract showing that they're renting their long-term rental for more than 12 months once they show that they qualify for the exemption and that's how we're keeping track i know the numbers maybe a week or so ago was about 700 that had converted on what we could record at real property tax. So we're hoping that we'll get to that number, but if it doesn't, obviously the governor is prepared to, to take the next step.
0: Is anyone tracking how many families have left?
1: I don't think we'll know if anyone doesn't come back. So what I know is the CNHA has a data sharing agreement with all of the agencies, the FEMA, state, county. So I know they're capturing lots of the data. There is a, a, an indicator of how many families we know have left. Yeah, we don't want any to leave.
0: But the, One of the firefighters I talked to, you know, he said you had been meeting with them, you know, in small groups and and his advice to you was, Mayor, you're not gonna make everybody happy. And he said, trust your gut. You know, you're trying to do the best for this community. So if you can put your mayor hat maybe aside and, and your judge hat, talk about Richard Bisson, you know, from Maui and, and, mm-hmm. and um what you hope for this community?
1: My values have been shaped by this community and the people who raised me in this from this community. So I think I see the world pretty pretty similar to a lot of the folks that have been raised here like myself and so what I wanna say is that we the administration and the county is not we're not going anywhere. We're gonna stay here till this ends. We know we have a mission we more now than ever have a very very focused purpose which is to keep people home get people back to their homes I mean that's really the 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 simple mission get people back to their homes you know whether people are pleased or not pleased with the decisions totally understand you know as government you make group decisions that affect individual people and not it doesn't work for everybody in the same way And, and people point that out to you right away to let you know but I think what's What's really important is people know we're trying with their best interests in mind, and I think we have an all-hands-on-deck approach going on right now. Obviously, we've made mistakes. I'm sure we'll continue to make mistakes, but not on purpose. We are trying, quite simply, to get people back to their homes as quick as we can. Understanding health and safety, the welfare of our people is our number one concern. Meeting, engaging with the public, trying to get their input, and not just getting it, getting the input and trying to implement that back into policy is also very important. Some of the decisions have to just be made because they're urgent, quick calls. But yeah, I think we always have the welfare of our community and our people at the top of mind.
0: And that was Maui Mayor Richard Bisson talking with us about the recovery progress to date and the work still yet to happen. Thank you. You know, that firefighter we talked to who called the mayor's job impossible and whose advice was to trust his gut was Jonathan Verona. He lost his home and his business to the fire. He was taking care of his children that day and had to focus on getting them out of harm's way. His wife is also a firefighter and was on duty in Lahaina that night. Verona says his family is grateful for the use of an RV, a recreational vehicle now set up in Oluwalu, which was donated through the efforts of fellow firefighters on the continent and a nonprofit, Emergency RV Foundation, which did something similar for Paradise, California, first responders. There were 17 Maui County firefighters who lost their homes. Here's
2: Verona. You can really feel the the camaraderie and the brotherhood and sisterhood of, of the fire department's You know, they 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 were here boots on the ground helping they were, you know, as well as organizing these things behind the scenes, like shipping us uh, a few of these RVs and and it just you can feel that that love and that that genuine care for us. So um, that was that was really nice. It was really uplifting to have to be able to just feel that warmth and, and people know that people are looking out for us.
0: And then your wife is also a firefighter.
2: Yeah, she's a firefighter as well. We both work in Lahaina. She was working the day of the fire and I was home. I I had the kids at home that day. So definitely traumatic. It's traumatic on, on all fronts, you know, as an employee, as somebody who, who, you know, is there to protect the city, you know, that that's traumatic that we weren't able to, it's traumatic that, um, you know, we lived here and have family here and we lost community members. So you know, it's, it's it's traumatic on all fronts. You know, it's 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 tough, and it's and there's a it's also traumatic in the future. There's so much to be done, and so much uncertainty as well.
0: And so, having this RV, what has that meant to your family? Just to help you, you know, get back on your feet during this transition time?
2: Uh, yeah, it kind of ties into that uncertainty in the future. It gives us. Something that we know at some point, you know, if, if it comes down to it, with the rental market so thin and and the options getting more and more narrow, um, it we we know we always have that there as an option, whether it's while we're rebuilding, have it on our property, if we can put it somewhere else, you know, there there's a lot of different options, and it's just a nice safety net to know that it's it's always there as an option. Right now, obviously, it's it's kind of an artificially inflated market with. Losing a bunch of houses and then having outside money, FEMA money, and Red Cross money come in, so it's making an already tough rental market that much harder. I've been very fortunate to to have at a pretty consistent place to live. We've only had to move once, so you know that having that stable housing allows us to to kind of make plans. You know, gives the kids somewhere consistent to be going to and from school. So you know, it's having that just uh, we really appreciate the the ability to have stable housing and something like this cuz that's that's one of your your basic needs. You can't really do much else until that's taken care of.
0: And then you were able to meet one of the firefighters that was helping to put this um donation together, uh Woody from Colorado, and he said that you drove out there uh, just to to talk to him and thank him.
2: Yeah, so I don't I don't think Woody's a firefighter. I know no, he, I think oh. he's like an uh said he works with computers but he he is part of emergency rv and they they're him and his daughter um, super cool they kind of travel together and and pick up these rvs he was telling the story of how they specifically got our rv from forget where they picked it up from and then delivered it to the the shipping yard and This is a kind of a cool story him and his daughter wanted to help and they they just stepped up and found a way to help and and started that nonprofit the emergency RV and they've they did a lot of help in the California fires over the past several years um, and that that's kind of where it started and it's just grown from there so yeah and then
0: they made the trek out here to deliver the goods
2: yeah so he had the the rvs delivered or he, he was involved in that you know several months ago it was pretty soon after the fire that they started shipping a couple um and then he came out about a month ago and visited and you know just was checking in and, and seeing how it's going and uh, it was just it was cool to meet him and and he's just a genuinely nice guy genuinely cares um and you know just just doing something to help so i, I thought that was really cool
0: you know, I've seen kind of this brotherhood uh, of folks, first responders, and when, you know, someone is injured or or dies in the line of duty, just the, I don't know, they're just there for each other. And, and it's, it's a really incredible thing to see that bond.
2: Yeah, I think there's a bit of, um, you understand what people are going through. We're, we can all relate to the, the stresses that people are feeling. And I, I think um, people across firefighters, first responders across the country uh, feel for us out here. But I, there's also, I mean, our whole community has gone through basically the same, you know, very similar. Everybody has a similar story. Everybody has their own story with, you know, different challenges. And I think as a community, we're, we're feeling that as well. You know, we're all in the same spot as far as still kind of trying to figure out what to do and, and as well as trying to figure out how to, heal from what what we went through.
0: That was a Maui firefighter Johnny Verona. We also talked to another firefighter, Keahi Ho. He too lost his home inside business. He echoed the opportunity to take care of his family with the use of the RV during this stressful time.
3: We're so grateful and so fortunate to be in the position that we are in. I know everybody has a different situation and I can tell just my friends and family and people that I know that are still in the hotels that are still don't have that stability I can I can tell just by talking to them just by looking at them how ungrounded they are and how stressed they are and I know for myself how detrimental that would be to every part of my health to not have uh just a home base to start working towards building a new life, um, living in uncertainty and without autonomy is uh, one of the hardest things for humans, I think.
0: You know, and, and six months has passed, and, and it's. I'm sure it's just still difficult, you know, as you pass through Lahaina because of just living through that disaster.
3: Yeah, um, it's the, like I said, For me, it's been, I've been blessed with a lot of projects at the house that we're in. Um, It's an old house that needed a lot of work done to it to get it to where we're reasonably comfortable now, but all those projects gave us a sense of purpose and, um, you know, a, a lot of work to keep our mind off of what had happened. And so now we're able to process and but still be grateful and... Be in a more relaxed state so that we can start processing the future.
0: One of the other firefighters I talked to had just said that you know some of the guys feel bad because they couldn't save more lives, but so many of you did bring people home, you know, bring people out of a dangerous situation.
3: We had eight people in our truck at one point. Well, seven and then and then one, two separate occasions. I haven't seen any of them since the fire. Uh, I hope they're doing well. Uh, I know that it's, um, I would say for sure that amongst us firefighters, there's definitely a deep pain that we couldn't do more. Um, There's hope as we rebuild that we can make it a safer, stronger town, all while keeping the same character and hopefully keeping as many people around as possible. It's, uh, it's a delicate balance between, you know, keeping, keeping the charm, but also making things safer. And that day, if you weren't there, standing there, you just don't understand how crazy it was. And I mean, if we could have had unlimited water and unlimited trucks, and I don't think we, it would have made any difference. Um, the only way to, to fight this kind of a fire is with planning and proper development. And and I don't know, you can blame people all you want or you can get down to business and just start making it better in the future. I think it was just a a result of a hundred years of whatever happened, you know.
0: I don't know, is there anything you guys need?
3: (laughs) Um, As far as the fire department, we've been just overwhelmed with a tremendous amount of support from both the union, uh, within our local department, within the community, within friends and family, just an overwhelming amount of support from all kinds of people. and so uh, our main concern is really just looking forward to the future and and getting things done. I mean I, you know, there's there's stress and pain that comes with the job, and we're all we're all equipped to deal with that. And and like you said, there's the services that are provided, but mostly it's just leaning on our on our guys and our crew and our families is really where we get our support from. Yeah. Speaking with the mayor and some of the people in the state, I'm, I've been encouraged with the the progress that's happening behind the scenes. I know it's not um, fast enough for everybody, but I. I'm beginning to see a lot of progress happening. Uh, I'm beginning to feel real hopeful for the future. It's nice to see the truck starting to clear the property. I've been doing some work with the state to help guide the, the harbor um, rebuild. And that's been really encouraging. And uh, I just I see a lot of movement happening in lots of corners. And I think things are gonna start turning brighter here sooner than later, and, and that's encouraging.
0: We've been hearing from Maui firefighters Keahi Ho and Jonathan Verona, who lost their homes inside businesses six months ago. They are recipients of two of five donated RVs, thanks to the generous donation and efforts of the Firefighters Union, mainland firefighters, and a nonprofit. We should note there are two more donated RVs that are en route from San Diego, and we're told they should be in Hawaii later this month.
4: Support for HPR comes from Dane Lamb and the Hawaii Symphony Orchestra, performing music of Mahler and Tan Dunn's cello concerto from the film Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon, February 11th at Hawaii Theatre, myhso.org. Each week, New Dimensions explores the social, political, scientific, environmental, and spiritual frontiers with some of today's foremost social innovators, thinkers, scientists, and creative artists.
5: Hi,
0: I'm Nikki Scully, author of Sekhmet, Transformation in the Belly of the Goddess. Next time on New Dimensions, I'll be talking about Egyptian alchemy of transformation.
4: Sunday morning at 11. Support for HPR comes from Stanford Medicine Cancer Center, providing a circle of care approach designed to cultivate resilience for the whole person. Video and in-person appointments are available, stanfordhealthcare.org slash cancer center.
0: police department released a report this week that for the first time showed the location of where remains of the 100 fire victims were found. It noted 15 people were found in their cars trying to escape the blaze. A Tongan family of four died in a vehicle near their home. It included the youngest casualty of this disaster, a seven-year-old boy. They were Kalasita's and Atima's relatives. She works with the Pacific Gateway Center and the Immigrant Resource Center. During this disaster, she's been key to helping the Tongan community with its needs. We talked earlier this week about the loss of loved ones, but also what has given her strength and pride to be a part of this Pacific Island community.
5: Tell us about the relatives that you lost in your family. So Tone, the father, his wife, also, their daughter Salote and their grandson, Tony. So Tone is, is the, my grandma's fahu, meaning their first cousins with my grandmother and then the little boy was how old the little boy was seven when he died yeah and so they were trying to get out yes so the the story goes that a tree had fallen in the road and they were unable to escape the fire and um, from Sane the Salote's sister Tone's oldest daughter um, she wanted to commend her sister's bravery because her younger sister was able-bodied and was could have escaped the fire on foot with her son. But Sane wanted to come in her sister's bravery to remain in the vehicle alongside her parents. They wanted to stay together. To stay together, yeah. They stayed together to the end. And so uh,
0: this affected the Tongan community in a, in a big way, and the Princess of Tonga came to help comfort them.
5: Yeah, so the Princess of Tonga came in September, shortly after the fire and wanted to offer the Tongan community support here in Maui. She came and their gift to the Tongan people was a free document replacement should any um, of the Tongan permanent residents here need any from Tonga. And she came to offer her sympathies and grieve with the Tongan people. So that, that day she listened to everyone share stories about what happened, how they survived the fires, and was able to comfort everyone sharing the King's sympathy with us as well. And
0: then your work with the Gateway Center—I mean, you've been meeting with everybody and you've been hearing everybody's stories. Uh, how does that—how does that, that affected you
5: during these last six months? The biggest thing it did for me was um, teach me empathy um, and gratitude uh, to be grateful, because I was born and raised in Lahaina side, and so that's how I was able to get close with a lot of the, the Lahaina people here, being that we moved shows me how grateful I am to not just survive the fire but grateful I am to have known um, a lot of the Lahaina people and taught me a lot of their resiliency gave me empathy for them because it's, it's been six months and a lot of people have moved on from the fire you know new stories popped up the Palestinian war so that's taken a lot of the front news of the paper but in reality it, these um, Lahaina fire, wildfire survivors face everyday struggles and while we're focused everywhere else these people have to find places to live these people have to um they have to find new jobs it's basically they have to rebuild their entire lives from ground zero and watching them do that and still have and still see them have love for everyone else and understand everyone else's situation and rebuild together it gives me hope And, yeah, it it teaches me a lot of humility um, right now, yeah. That's the biggest thing is humility. I'm really humbled by um, hearing all their stories. Yeah, Yeah, the stories of courage, the stories of just empathy and the desire to stay together in this time of crisis. Mm -hmm. And seeing the Tongan culture flourish as well while they're trying to rebuild, it's it's beautiful seeing the... um, how families don't want to be separated. The children are willing to, to bite the bullet to stay with their, their elderly parents. Um, and it's not, it's not just limited to the Tong community, it's a lot of, um, every community, every ethnic group has the same, same va- um, cultural, the family cultural value of staying together, and it's, it's a beautiful thing to see. Because I feel like in the non-ethnic cultures, It's very normal for them to just separate and figure it out on their own. Whereas in the Lahaina wildfires, one thing I I noticed with all ethnic groups is that family cultural value is very heavy in all of them. The Filipinos, the the Kofa community, they don't want to be separated from their parents. Um, The parents don't want to be separated from the children. Their adult children. And it's really beautiful. It's really re-inspiring to see the family value today in a world where, you know, the family is being attacked right now. um, It's being torn apart. But to see it still thriving here in Hawaii, it's beautiful. Do you think that's also
0: a challenge, though, for the federal agencies that have their rules and somehow,
5: you know, they can't bend them? (laughs) Yes. Um, Lahaina, well, the whole Hawaii, I feel like, is a multi-generational, a lot of multi-generational homes. So extended families, immediate family members all live under one household. And I think that's a, it was a very hard thing for FEMA and American Red Cross to understand, and I think a lot of them still don't understand that it's very normal here to live with your grandkids, your kids, your nieces, nephews. The whole village under one on, under one roof, right? And I I feel like they struggle to understand that that's. Yes, it is because of um, prices, house prices here, and the cost of living, but it's also a very cult, deep cultural thing.
0: Is there anything you want to say to any of the landlords out there that may have properties that could help
5: a lot of the displaced families? Yeah, um, there's a fine line between the feeling of entitlement and also the um, just asking them to give a little to their back to their community especially like for example like Jeff Bezos or Oprah we don't want us come off feeling entitled like give us some land because you have some you know you have a lot of land there unused we don't want to come off that way especially to landlords here who are who are making a living off of rent you know but for the out-of-state owners, um, those who are vacation home owners here, we while we are grateful. We're very grateful to those who have opened up their homes for Lahaina wildfire survivors and who has house displaced families. We're very grateful for them. We encourage, highly encourage a lot of the, the landlords who are out-of-state, who have homes on the west side to please open their homes. There's um, families here, young children who we don't want to disrupt their their you know their young lives by having to relocate yeah, you want to help them heal yes our biggest thing is have them heal here in Lahaina uh, so yeah for the landlords who own big homes um, please don't over complicate it please go cool <laughs> yeah please um, if you want to go through FEMA go through FEMA um if you want to go through the uh, CNHA, right. uh, put up your home. They are paying. They are paying landlords to open their home house place families. But not, you know, it, please don't use that as that incentive. Please keep helping. Yes, there's you know there's other places where there's other issues that going on right now in the world. But being a landlord here, owning a parcel of land here, especially near the west side where a lot of people are looking for homes at this point and not not sharing that. Everyone has to make a living, uh, we get that, but uh, I feel like we're not asking to open up your home for like, you know, 20 years, right. don't give a 20 year lease. Um, at least for like just a year, please. Yeah. help the good. community. All you know right. the saying, um, take care of your community and the community will take care of you. So please, yeah, please go cool.
0: That was Kalasita Enutema, who lost relatives, a family of four, in the fire. Those relatives were found in their car not far from their home. It's believed a tree had fallen, blocking their way out to safety. Families of those who love lost ones are invited to attend, uh, to attend a multi-faith gathering tonight at the Lahaina Civic Center starting at 6 p.m. Doors will open at 5.30. The county says media will not be present. We continue our coverage hearing from reflections of other Lahaina residents at this six month mark. H bear's Kuvehirishi joins us now. Good morning.
6: Good morning, Catherine. Yeah, we spoke to Lahaina native Ikolu Lindsay. He's been living at the Ka'anapali Shores condo resort for the last six months. He lost his family home in August, in the August 8th fires. But unlike many displaced residents who have kind of been shuffling from hotel to hotel, Lindsay says he's been fortunate to have lived in that one condo with a full kitchen, full-size refrigerator, and for him a new thing, central AC. But Lindsay says he does miss home. Um, It was on Front Street, Uh, he's one of the last Native Hawaiian Ohana on that street. He misses the warm weather, the calm ocean. It's very windy in Ka'anapali. And he misses hearing the whales flap around at night. Uh, The Ka'anapali Shores Condo Resort just renewed its contract with the Red Cross. So Lindsay has till the end of May to find more permanent home. But as has been reported everywhere else, competition for housing is fierce.
3: Yeah, we are definitely looking for long term. But I, I tell you. Anything that pops up on the housing sites are gone in hours. A few hours gone. Uh, we just checked out two, two days ago, yeah. and they were gone in an hour. Once they get the qualified applicants in, it's shut down. I mean, you can put yourself on that wait list, but you have to continuously check. So you got to, you know, stop in in the office, create personal relationships with people so that they keep you in mind, so that they call you. Hey, this never gone the market yet. So that's, you know, you got to, you know try massage things a little bit right
6: so Lindsay has uh, been accepted into the new affordable housing complex that they are a building there in wailuku known as uh Kaulana mahina he just got word a few days ago that the move-in date was pushed back a month to mid-april he'd prefer to stay near home and work but he's happy uh with this as his backup plan but like many displaced residents Lindsay understands that It'll take several years to rebuild, so securing more permanent housing is definitely top of mind uh, for displaced residents and hotels. Much of the support and resources are coming from those hotels and no government agencies like FEMA and the Red Cross. But early on, following the fires, we saw those community hubs uh, popping up across the the west side of Maui. Our colleague Catherine Kuitpakdo did a, a good story on the S Turn Hub there, but some are still operating like Estern and Napili, but for Noilani Ahia, the co-founder of Mauna Medics and one of the leaders at the Honokowai uh, Community Hub, she says burnout was one of the reasons why their hub decided to close up shop. Yeah, it's real. It's real. Um, And, you know, it's it's not to say that we cannot handle or that we're not tough and that we're not strong. It's just that... um, you know, I feel like we have to tell the truth about these things so we can address it. And that's part of what we're trying to do at Maui Medics is, is provide some, you know, resource for burnout in terms of treatment. Our community has labored so hard to take care of itself and each other. Uh, and this is a very um, kanaka way of doing things to malama kekahi uh, kekahi. And the reality is, it's not the caretaking that has burned us out. It's fighting the systems that have not been able to step up and provide the care and services that are necessary.
0: Oh my gosh, I hope she doesn't feel bad. She has no reason <laughs> to feel bad because these are community members that just stepped up to fill the need.
6: It's true, and, and I, I think she, a little bit of her does uh, feel a little guilty that she's got to go and refocus on, you know, other things That's that's sort of non— community hub, but the Mauna Medics, her group, has secured a spot in a conference room at the Royal Lahaina Resort. So they are still uh, in the community, just in a different form, and not having to deal with sort of the logistics of running a big community hub, distributing goods and, and things like that. Uh, We also spoke to a line about Captain Kiel Shaw. He's someone we followed right after the fires broke out, and he's relieved to be back in business. He's a tour boat operator and just in time for whale watching season out there. I actually went down to Mala, a boat ramp, to sort of see lots of tourists jumping in, wanting to see the whales, but also sort of understanding the situation around Uh, Lahaina, right now. But his tour boat company was able to bring back four full time employees, three part time, but there still are challenges.
5: Uh, Our sailboat is up and running, and we are working with another company out of Mala to work out of there at the moment. And that's only five days a week. A lot of my employees and our employees are looking for more work. Um, because there's so many boats that were lost and we have a limited amount of days to be operating out of Mala right now, only five days a week. But when you really look at it from an economic standpoint and a job standpoint, it's, thir- it's almost 30% of the work week. I can't fully employ everybody not being able to work the weekends. So everybody's still trying to look for work.
0: Yeah, uh, your heart just goes out to these folks.
6: Right. It's it's a tricky situation. You know, Shaw says uh, he'll uh, want to be heading back to Lahaina Harbor as soon as it opens. That's where he had one of his boats, which actually burned in the fire. He was lucky to have his other uh, boat running so he can get back to work. But uh, there's been a lot of controversy at Mala Boat Ramp mostly between recreational and commercial users and trying to balance that use coming out of the fire. So Shaw wants to sort of get out of there as soon as possible and get back to Lahaina Harbor, which will be quite, uh, you know, some time. That's right in there in the burn zone. They've had boats that have, you know, are still there in the water and need to get uh, taken out but he and his family lost their home in the fire they're scheduled to have their property cleared of debris in the next two weeks it's sort of been going a little slower than uh, he had anticipated but he is still separated from his wife and kids uh, who decided to relocate to Oahu's North Shore for school they plan to finish up the school year and return to Lahaina for summer but I've been asking him you know what happens once fall comes around are the kids gonna go back to school in Lahaina or come back to Oahu. And at this point, they're not sure. It depends on securing housing for the whole family, but also having the schools be in a safe place for the parents to feel confident enough that their kids can go back. But
0: yeah, sh- uh, So much uncertainty. And, you know, two firefighters that we talked to, headside businesses, you know, with uh, uh-huh. boats, and they lost that as well, in addition to their homes. So, you know, double whammy for people as they struggle to try and uh, piece back um, their lives. But rough road ahead, um, you know, six months out Mm -hmm. uh, and even longer. So we'll just have to keep our fingers crossed for everybody that's affected.
6: For sure. Shaw wants to rebuild like most of the Lahaina residents I've spoken to. They want to rebuild in Lahaina, but he says he's already had neighbors who have actually sold their property, uh, properties around him and moved away. It was something he thought he would have his kids grow up with their kids and, and they'd have this community neighborhood going. But since the fires, some of them have left. And so he's not sure what the community will look like once they rebuild, but it will definitely be in Lahaina.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much, Kubehi. Mahalo. We have been talking to HBR's Kubehi She Look for her stories on hawaiipublicradio.org.
4: no <laughs> iho ke ka ka Support for H.P.R. comes from U.H. Manoa's William S. Richardson School of Law, celebrating 50 years. Its Master of Laws provides specialization in a range of fields for attorneys from the U.S. and around the world. law.hawaii.edu H.P.R. presents Kamaha'u Haumea Thronas This concert is part of HPR's Mele Hawai'i Performance Series. Kamaha'o is performing Sunday, February 11th at 2 p.m. For tickets and more information, visit hprtickets.org. Sponsored by Farm Lovers Markets. Support for Hawaii Public Radio comes from Mobi, a Hawaii wireless company since 2005, featuring a locally-based customer care team committed to problem-solving and personal service for each client. Learn more at Mobi.com. <laughs>
0: back with the conversation here on Hawaii Public Radio. And did we mention where in Lahaina that we're broadcasting live from? We are at the Maui Kui'a Estate Chocolate Visitor Center and Factory in Lahaina. It miraculously survived the fires. Owner Gunners Vickers joins us live this morning. Thank you so much for hosting us here.
7: Welcome. Glad to do it.
0: Yes, and you know, it was a year ago that I was talking with your uh, VP of Operations and Factory, Dan O'Doherty, and at the time he was trying to come back to Maui and the w- high winds I think prevented him from flying into Kapalua and then we checked in with him a few days later after the fire and he was pretty sure that you would lost the factory and the farms because of, you know of, of the devastation in this
7: area. Well at that time it was just a few days after the fire. We had no communications, no internet, no cell phone service. We were literally struggling to talk to people outside of the immediate area so Dan had no way of talking to me. So he was just (laughs) going upon what he was hearing from the news media, and uh, it wasn't always accurate, especially with respect to individual properties.
0: Yes, and at the time, though, I think he said there were a couple of employees that were unaccounted for. He said some of the employees had lost their homes. I think you might have been one of the ones that were unaccounted
7: for. (laughs) I I think I probably was, (laughs) simply because they couldn't contact me, and I couldn't contact them. So, It was a difficult time for at least a week before people finally found where they could go to get a cell phone call out, right? I mean, literally, that's how long it took. I had to go way up the hill from my house, finally get some cell phone service, and it was intermittent at best, and absolutely no internet, so I couldn't send anything by internet.
0: And I understand that you were able to come uh, to the center, and and because you're off the grid, you said that you had power, the air conditioner was on, the chocolate was fine
7: right for uh, the first two days after the fire uh, they didn't blockade the road i actually drove in um, and checked out the facility and it was totally operational the air conditioning was on we have a micro grid so we're not tied to the maui power grid even though the maui grid was down uh, we were running continuously and the air conditioning was running 24 7.
0: that's just astounding because you know just seeing the devastation at the affordable housing complex just behind here I mean so close
7: literally across the street it was a four-story 80 unit apartment complex that burned down uh, completely Uh, it actually didn't start burning until sometime much later in the night because i left around 6 p.m on the day of the fire and um it already was clear that it was going to burn to the ocean basically straight down lahaina luna road to the ocean and um, but it wasn't clear at all that any anything near us was going to burn. And in fact, it did ignite sometime during the night, and and it burned down. But we weren't affected. Amazingly.
0: Yeah, I know. Dan was just stunned at the, you know the fact that what you thought was lost was really all okay, and everybody was okay, uh, and. Dan is not here. I understand he's uh, he was in Europe. <laughs>
7: uh, Dan is in Amsterdam this morning, uh, their time, Thursday morning there in Amsterdam. He accepted our second uh, Cacao of Excellence Award, which we received the first one in 2021. So we, we received another one for the Asia-Pacific region. It's, we got a gold award, which is the highest level that they award. And getting that in two consecutive competitions is, I think, unheard of. I don't think it's unprecedented.
0: I mean, gosh, it, it, it's just so much to be grateful for. You know, you were blessed that uh, this facility survived and, and the fact that, uh, you know, you're still in operation. I, I understand that you weren't able to harvest in the fall, but that you may have one um, coming up soon, yeah, maybe the, next month. The,
7: the trees were not damaged by the fire, but they were heavily damaged by the wind because, as everybody knows, the wind was very strong that day, gusting even to 100 miles an hour. So the the tree the leaves lost their leaves or the trees lost their lost their leaves and we have to rehabilitate them tra- retrain them basically and it's been taken uh, ever since August it's, we've been pruning them rehabilitating them and now they're actually in pretty good shape but we lost our fall harvest entirely
0: and and I understand that. Uh the chocolate you were able to sell, that some of those proceeds went to help with Maui's recovery. Right,
7: right. And so we we had a promotion out early on to give a percentage of the proceeds back to Maui relief efforts. We've been doing that. We continue to do that. Uh, The promotion ended, but we continue to find ways to give back. And uh, lately uh, it has shifted a little bit to um, a a, a factory experience we do on Sundays. Um, Nonprofits have signed up throughout the year, every Sunday, We run one, and uh, it's $100 a person, and uh, the nonprofit gets all of that money. And last weekend, for example, we did it for Maui Rescue Mission, 15 people, $1,500, straight to Maui Rescue Mission.
0: Wow, that's incredible. And it's so nice to see this facility. You know, uh, uh, I was uh, took a t- quick little tour uh, of the upstairs. I mean, that's where you have a lot of these events. You have a jazz night. I mean, it, 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 it's just a right. wonderful little venue here.
7: Sunday is sort of our nonprofit day. Um, we're not technically open uh, except for the jazz and, and for the one factory experience that I run for nonprofits. But the uh, jazz is also for nonprofits. It's run by jazzmaui.org. Uh, The nonprofit is Arts Education for Children Group, which funds Jazz Maui, and uh, it's sold out every Sunday. So uh, even this Sunday, I expect to sell out, and it's Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, there you go.
0: (laughs) You know, and and I don't know, do you have just any thoughts as you think about this anniversary?
7: Oh, I have some thoughts, yeah. I think that uh, for businesses that survived, I mean, you know, you just can't imagine how fortunate we are. Right, to survive. But for businesses that survive, people need to know that we're open. And uh, the general messaging has been Lahaina's is closed. Right? In fact, I know hotels on the south side of Maui are telling their people not to go to Lahaina. Well, there are businesses here that need to survive and without uh, the traffic necessary to do that, we're slowly going to decline uh, and uh, some of them will be lost and they'll be lost forever. I have already know that some businesses haven't reopened for exactly that reason. There's not enough business, they don't have the capital to reopen, and um, that's just sad, really sad.
0: Right, so if you want to help Lahaina's recovery, if you can support these businesses, come down to your factory, or they can support sales online as well. Right,
7: sales online, or just take the time to find out what's open in Lahaina. Lahaina is not closed, despite the signs on the freeway, Lahaina is not closed. Uh, there are businesses that are open and and need need your support
0: yeah and so what's your hope for the next six months
7: well i hope it'll normalize a little bit and businesses will start to open and you know as more businesses open it'll be become obvious that there are places in lahaina that are open for people to come Um, right now it's not so obvious everybody has to be actually searching in the internet to figure that out on their own and their general messaging again is that it's closed right so people believe we're closed unless they actually uh, search the internet and find out that we're open
0: yeah well i think like that one firefighter said you see progress you know just from your balcony upstairs you see the back working in some of the rubble and they'll be clearing that and so uh i guess you've got to keep that uh in mind but Thank you again so much for hosting us here, and good luck and congratulations on your uh, gold awards.
4: <laughs> Thank you.
0: All right. Thanks again. Uh, we have been hearing from Maui Kuia Estate Chocolate CEO, Gunners Vickers, as we sign off from this live broadcast from Lahaina. That's a wrap from Lahaina. Up tomorrow, we hear more about efforts to get displaced families into permanent housing, and we talk to families who have found long-term rentals and others who are still in need. We do welcome feedback. Uh, What are your thoughts about the last six months or the next six months? Call our Talkback line 808-792-8217 or email us at talkback at hawaiipublicradio.org. The Conversation is available as a podcast on our website or check wherever you like to tune in for podcasts. I'm Catherine Cruz. Join us tomorrow for more of The Conversation.